0: This is the Falcon Twin Podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan, and this is the last commentary podcast for pages 404 to 409. Page 404, I think she's enjoying this. So I decided to change up the first couple of panels here with the sword drop. Originally, in the first one, you see the sword actually hitting the ground, and it clangs, and then Tresca reacts. But in this case, I decided to change it. So... Instead of showing it hitting the ground, we show Tresca reacting as she hears the clang of the sword hitting the ground, which kind of seemed more natural, and what that did is that gave me an opportunity to take the first panel and kind of blow it out in sort of a big dramatic way, so you've got these gigantic flames because it's zoomed in on her hand, and all this stuff is kind of out of focus in the background, and the light is completely overblown and bleeds way over her, her hand, way more than all the other light bloom is in the other panels on this page and also in previous and next pages. The entire thing is kind of like you'd expect to see in some big slow motion sequence in a very big dramatic movie and so that's kind of what i was picturing in my mind is that as you were looking at this if it were a movie you everything would go into slow-mo and you'd see her hand slowly letting go and the handle falling from her grip and you know it would be in slow motion you're like in the background like in all those slow motion things that you see in movies also some Small changes to panel four because for continuity, I wanted to have Mika's right arm still being held by Tresca. In the original version, Mika's right arm was her right hand was grabbing Sydney's hand as you know, Sydney stabbed Mika in the stomach. But because Tresca would still be holding Mika's right arm, I had that held off to the side, and now she's grabbing Sydney's hand with her left hand. Let's see, panel five, also the knife looks way too big, which someone pointed out on the forums, and yeah, it just looks too big. Part of that was to kind of emphasize how big it is and, you know, a little bit of perspective coming out, you know, so the sword's kind of coming towards the camera and looks bigger than it really is, but it, it did wind up being a little big. Also, just sort of for artistic license and dramatic purpose, just to make it seem really big and, oh my god. Oh, there's the background, it's a little bit different here, too, in the in panel five and panel six. Well, I should say, a little bit different from all the other panels around it. I don't, don't think the original even had backgrounds. But in panel five here, we've got this background with the sort of dripping blood, which is kind of a callback to the dream sequence in chapter four with Yumiko. As everything starts to go sour in that particular scene, you can see that the there's kind of blood dripping down in some of the backgrounds of the panel. So that's what I was trying to call back to. And also, if you look, I brought back the, the sprayed blood image in the background panel five, too, which... I think I've mentioned before, the sprayed blood image was this image that I created in Painter a long time ago that was just exactly what I wanted in terms of a bunch of sprayed, sort of spattered blood, and I used it all over the place, and I kind of moved away from it a little bit, but I decided that I was going to bring it back here for one last hurrah in the background, and so that's what's going on in the background behind Mika and panel five. And then panel six is not even really much of a background at all. There's a, a sort of a swish behind Mika and Sydney, but you can't really see it because their heads are in front of it. For the last panel, the first change, obviously, is that I flipped it left to right for left-right continuity, but also the bigger change is the way that Mika and Sydney are positioned. Originally, in the first version, you could only see the two faces, but in the new version, you can see how close they actually are, and I really wanted to get this feeling of intimacy between Sydney and Mika. And so if you look at the new version, it almost looks like Sydney's actually sort of embracing Mika and holding her in her arms, and that's kind of the idea is that this is very intimate moment between them, not a romantic moment, but it's an intimate moment between Mika and Sydney and it's a very important moment for both of them too. So I wanted to, to really bring that and almost sort of maybe just sort of begin to cross that line and make you think, gosh, it's and make it seem a little bit uncomfortable too, obviously Mika's getting stabbed, but but also just sort of uncomfortable too, just in terms of the relationship between the two characters and the way that they're they're very, very close to each other. Because I mean if you stab a person through the chest, I think that's kind of a a very deeply personal thing to do, in, in a bad way, but a very deeply personal thing, nonetheless. Page 405, she's enjoying this way too much. So, obviously, the first two panels are pretty similar to the original version. The effect text for the knives coming out obviously got considerably bigger than it was in the original, and the body still looks a little bit strange, although it's nowhere near as messed up as it was in the original. If you look in the original, Mika's got this huge torso and these little teeny tiny hands, and everything's all messed up, so... It still looks better than it did in the first version anyway. And if you look closely in panel 2, you can see as Sydney's ripping the knives out of Mika's body, she cuts Mika's fingers and so you can see these really deep cuts across her all of her fingers from her index finger to her pinky. I actually did manage to keep continuity on these, unlike the hair thing. I did keep continuity so if you look through the rest of the pages and you look really closely at the fingers, you will be able to see the cuts down all those fingers. And for some reason that cut on the fingers really bothers me more than Mika being stabbed twice. For some reason being stabbed in the chest and stomach doesn't seem as bad as just having your fingers sliced right open it just creeps me out for some reason. And then the biggest change I think and most important change in this page is the change of Sydney's pose in panel 3 which is sort of the same idea as it was in the original but much more expressive in terms of everything about Sydney so I don't know where the blood on her face came from I think part of it was just there to to match and sort of pay homage to the prologue. But who knows, maybe as Sydney pulled the knives out, there was a big spray of blood or something. Cause otherwise, if you look at the previous page, there's no blood anywhere on Sydney. Then all of a sudden it's like, boom, it's everywhere. It's on her chest. It's on her face. It's yeah. But I mean, that's part of that is there because the entire panel here is to sort of convey the essence of Sydney and her madness and her cruelty and everything about her there is for that reason. And so that's another reason that the blood is there because You've got all these things, all these elements that contribute to communicating just what's going on with Sydney. So you've got the blood, you've got this bizarre pose, like she's some sort of murderous orchestra conductor, and you know she's just finished the big finale on the piece, and and she's you know holding these knives out in this very strange way, with her head tilted back in glory and bliss, and she's and if you look closely too, there's a little visual thing where the knives are both pointed at Mika's head, which is just a sort of thing to further enhance the danger, because, you know, Mika's already been stabbed twice, but any little sort of thing that can make it seem a little bit more dangerous, you've got these two sharp things pointed at Mika's head. And other elements, like the flames in the background, I mean, it's really sort of like the, the, almost a caricature in a way of every bad thing you can see. So you've got the blood, you've got this weird pose, you've got the flames in the background, and the biggest thing, I think, is, in a way it's kind of small, it's the smile on Sidney's face, which is this sort of faint smile, which is different from the way that you saw her in the original version of the page. In the original, she had this expression that was kind of like an ain't no thang kind of thing. But in this one, it's not being as much of a sort of joke as it's taking this whole attitude of Sydney to a completely different level. This is not just satisfying for her that she's been able to do this to Mika. This is her great triumph over her arch nemesis. And this is her great success, you know. Her expression in this... This subtle smile, almost orgasmic smile reinforces that. I mean it's seriously supposed to look like she's coming while this is happening, and maybe she is, but that's all of those things together the blood, the pose, the flames this this smile, and this look of utter bliss and contentment and all of that is just Sydney in a nutshell and sense. This was going to be her last appearance in the comic. I wanted to give her a good send-off because, as I've mentioned, she's one of my favorite characters. And so I think in this case, I actually managed to do that. And I think that the last time you do see Sydney in the comic is the the essence and the core of Sydney, And so that was why that page, or that panel in particular on that page, was, I thought, a very big win. Also, too, I mean, there's not so much to talk about Amika in this panel. She's just kind of collapsing, although it is a little bit interesting. I think her... Her pose is a little bit better in terms of the way she would probably be collapsing to her knees and then sort of falling. But also the the hair. I really like the way the hair sort of splays out as she falls, and it kind of goes off in a little bunch of little strands to the sides. Some of it got washed out by the fire on the left, but if you look closely, you can see it. And panel four is a little bit better than the original. I mean, obviously the, the drawings themselves are better, but the composition and the actual pose and everything are pretty much the same. And, of course, I flipped it left to right like I did many other panels. Same thing for panel Five too I, I flipped it left and right, um, but also because I did flip it left to right and I had to you know show Tresca on the right and meek on the left, I wound up having to show them from behind so in this one, well also you don't get a panty shot on Tresca either, which is kind of a bummer because that's always nice to have, but you do get a nice shot of Tresca's ass, so there's that, and if you look there's a really nice little wrinkle thing in her shorts too where her her leg meets her hips, but also I think the pose in this panel is actually more solid than the original. Both Mika's and Treska's in the way that Mika's falling, I think, looks better than the original. In mean, the original, it's sort of a very strange thing where she's still sitting very upright, but in this one, her entire body's kind of gone slack. You can see the way her arms are sort of hanging down, and her head is tilted forward, and her back is sort of curved. And her, you know, she's not leaning in a, in a she's not in a stable position. If you were just to take a person's body and put it in that position, it would fall over, and that's the point. Whereas in the original one, she's in this very strange sort of tight, upright position, which is very odd. But also, Tresca. I think in this panel looks a lot better than She did in the original because in the first one It kind of looked like she was yanking Mika over to the side As Mika was falling Whereas she's supposed to be more just kind of catching Mika And stopping her from completely collapsing To the floor so all in all This page I think is one of the better ones In the redoing of the prologue it's turned out alright Page 406 I don't really think it's up to her at this point I never really liked that title too much so I'm not really too excited about the first two panels As a matter of fact, I, I seem to recall when I was doing this page Being really pissed about them Because Tresca's face just does not look very good at all Especially in the first two panels just, God, they're terrible Mika looks mostly okay Although you, know, you don't really get to see too much of her Tresca does get better in the following panels Although her nose in the, second, or the third panel is still a little bit wrong too Another thing to notice on this page is that the panel borders aren't necessarily perfectly horizontal, they're tilted a little bit, and the previous page was like that too, where the entire thing, instead of just being a vertical gutter between the panels and then a horizontal gutter between the panels, they're all sort of tilted a little bit because that's you know what I do in action scenes. So also, I changed the sword position in the last panel from the where it was in the original. And the original one, the sword was to the right of Mika and Tresca, and here it's off to the left, which was just a result of me sitting down and thinking, well, if Mika were, you know, had her arm out being dragged by Tresca and then fell, then Tresca would be sort of getting right behind Mika and catching her. And so, I decided that it would make more sense for the sword to be over on that side, and maybe, you know, Tresca might have kicked it off to the side or something as she was. Getting down to, to catch Mika And also too, since we're Looking at Mika and Tresca, this is where the big Switch happens, right? Because in the last Page we had Sydney, Mika, and Tresca going from left to right, now in this Case it's reverse and we're showing it from The other side, and so because of that If Sydney were in the Last panel, she would be just off to the Right edge of that panel And if you look closely in panel 4 You can also see the blood sort of spreading out too It's definitely more subtle than it was in the First version also, the debris is similar to the original version of the page, too. If you look on the left-hand side, there's a big piece of timber on fire, and then on the right-hand side, you can see some chair legs that are on fire and a little longish stick that's on fire, too. And so, because the fire is much more dense than it was in the original version, it's more difficult to tell what's actually going on. But yeah, all that debris is, is actually pretty similar to what it was in the first version. One thing that it didn't work out as well as the original was that I don't think Mika looks as limp in the last panel. As she did in the original version of it, which is kind of a disappointment. It doesn't look that bad, but I, I still think it doesn't quite look as good. And also, I kind of like the way that Mika's calf and her knee on her right leg—you can kind of see that. I think that looks sort of okay in that panel too. And also, when I was doing this page, it was sort of an interesting thing because I didn't realize how little I wound up showing Tresca's shoes because. When I wanted to draw them, I had to go back and get reference to make sure they were consistent with other pages, and I had to go back hundreds of pages to actually find another example of Tresca's shoes that I could that I could draw from. And I think I actually wound up using that early, early, early image I did of Tresca leaning against a wall from way back when, also for reference too. Yeah, it, it's it's generally a lot easier to just draw everyone kind of from the shoulders up, and if I could get away with doing a comic with nothing but that, that would make it a lot easier. I guess in a way, for the most part, I actually kind of did. But yeah, doing doing people from head to toe actually is kind of a pain in the ass, and as you notice as time goes on, I do less of that. Page 407, they say that every story has a beginning and an end. Obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you'll recognize this title, which is from the very first line of Dreamfall, not the very first line, but the very first line that Zoe speaks in Dreamfall, which seemed very apropos for a variety of reasons, partly because this page is both at the beginning and the end of the story, and it's also a page that is talking about the story itself, and so it's a page that's making a comment about the entire story. The first version was, and this version is. And so that seemed appropriate, and also because the situation of what's going on is actually kind of similar to what happened in Dreamfall 2, where in Dreamfall, when Zoe says this line, they say that every story has a beginning and an end. She's lying in bed in a coma, dying, and talking to... The player And in this case it's a similar sort of thing We've got the main character dying And talking to the reader and telling them what's up I did change the dialogue obviously In this page from the original version Because partly because the original version Of the text was introducing The story and it didn't make sense to introduce The story again when the story is about to come to an end So that wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense So The new dialogue kind of makes the Other bookend for the story on this page which is another reason that I felt okay changing the the title of the page because you notice all the other pages from the prologue have the same titles as they did in the prologue, but this one I decided I was going to change that to. But I mean, it's also such a great line too, you know, the way that the way that Zoe says that. So what's being said in the dialogue on this page is as much my own words to the reader as it is Mika's words to the reader, particularly in the second panel where Mika says. Sorry if I didn't tell it very well, but it's still my story, for better or for worse. And that's as much me talking to all the haters out there as it is Mika talking to whoever might be listening to her story. Because, you know, this is this is a moment where despite all the, the self-doubt and self-hatred and self-loathing and contempt that Mika has, she's still standing up for herself, which is what I'm doing too in this page, is that I'm saying, look, you can hate all you want, but at the end of the day, I did a big-ass webcomic, and all you other people out there whining are basically just trolls on the internet who haven't accomplished even that much. So, you know, you can bitch and moan all you want, but at the end of the day, I actually did something and you didn't. And so that's where, I mean, this is where Mika's standing up for herself a little bit, and that's where I'm standing up for myself, too, in the context of this whole project and saying, look, you know, I did it. Like it or not, I did it, and, you know, you're not ever going to be able to take that away from me. And also other elements of this page are also kind of applicable to me, too, if you listen to the five things you didn't know about me. You'll probably understand some of the, the stuff in the other panels on this page too. The visuals on this page, I really sort of wanted it to look kind of like an unfinished painting, which it sort of did in the original. You can see the way the lines kind of fell apart, which didn't happen as much as I would have liked it to. I mean, I really, you can kind of see some brush strokes, but I really wanted it to almost look like You know, there was most of the detail in terms of the actual painting and the line art and everything was done in the center, and then as it went off, everything just sort of kind of fell apart. But because of the way I do the pages, that just didn't wind up looking the way it was supposed to. And actually, it was even more difficult to do it here than it was in the original, because in the original, since it was all just pencil, I could just quit drawing when I got far enough from the middle of the panel but in this case, I actually had to go do all the line art and then shade it all and then deal with it later on. And so basically undo what I had just spent a couple hours doing. So that didn't quite work out as well as I wanted. But, I mean, I still think people got the idea. And it does work a little bit in the way you can look at Tresk's hair in the first panel or Treska's back in the second panel as it kind of goes off to the right. So that part did actually work out a little bit. And the color scheme on this page also was... Was rough And it didn't quite wind up What I was sort of Planning for it to be My original idea was It was Everything in this These last few pages Was going to be Sort of kind of A cold bluish Color As if everything were Sort of made of porcelain And it's all under Fluorescent light Or you know It's like in a hospital Or something like that So it was supposed to Just sort of be Very Very sort of Sterile in that way but when I went and did that the colors didn't quite look right and as I think I mentioned in a podcast way back when whenever I sort of bring bluish or greenish tints into stuff it just winds up looking sickly and it just didn't look right so I I wound up warming up the colors a little bit and so what you see in page 407 here is actually considerably warmer than it was when I was going through the early attempts at getting the colors right and then the next few pages are actually even warmer still Now, because we've jumped from sort of third-person viewpoint into Mika's perspective, I mean, now we're deep, deep inside of Mika's mind here, that's why everything sort of goes away. So the background goes away, all the flames go away, everything else just kind of goes bye-bye, and as she's dying, everything starts to just go white. Let's see, the, the hand on the last panel turned out actually pretty well. My original plan, I had it turned a little more to the side so you could sort of see the way the fingers were splayed out. But then I decided I'd rather turn it back because also in the previous couple of pages, or the previous page, you could see the way Mika's hand was laying against Trestica's knee, and I wanted it to to stay more or less consistent with that. And so I kept the palm turned more to the viewer, which also, as I mentioned before, lets you see a little bit of the, the lacerations if you get in really close there. And I also like the way that the, the blood sort of trickles down on... On Tresca's leg and everything And that's just that little detail of, of Mika's hand On Tresca's knee And the blood and everything coming down there Was this weird little detail that I sort of I really liked and I kind of latched onto it And I kept it Through, all the way to the end actually You can see it up the Well you can't see it to the very last page I don't think No you can't, but you can see it on, on Page 406, 407, 408 It's kind of a, a thing that I liked And it was a little sort of detail between the two of them That I, that I kept Page 408, Never Let Go. Not really a lot to talk about on this page, because it wound up just being pretty much the same as it was in the prologue, and the dialogue was exactly the same, and I I considered for a little while whether or not I was going to actually redo the dialogue, because as I mentioned, I think when I was doing the prologue podcast, the line where Mika says don't let go of me was actually sort of cribbed from Starship Troopers, of all movies, where dizzy when she's dying says to johnny please johnny don't let me go the point of that line was that it had multiple meanings is that she says don't let me go means don't drop me on the floor but also don't let me die don't let me go kind of into the abyss but i didn't actually have the dvd when i was doing that page the first time through and so i said well you know i just just used the line without bothering to go look it up then when i did get the dvds and i was listening to the commentary and paul verhoeven went into detail on that line and i said Oh, I guess I kind of screwed that up, and so when I was coming back and doing this page, I considered changing it, but I decided not to partly because I just thought it was fine the way it was, and I also it played into the the specific wording "Don't let go of me plays into the into the what happens in the next page so I decided to keep it even though I, I did wonder for a while whether I should should change it and I wound up doing a, a pretty big edit in Photoshop on this page because as I drew it on paper, Tresca's head stuck out way farther to the right than it does on this version. I realized as I was, as I scanned it into Photoshop and I started to look at it, I realized that if Tresca's head were where it was, her neck would have to be attached to her left shoulder. And so I realized that I needed to pull that back in. So I wound up going in there and just delicately getting all of Tresca's line art and then getting a mask and moving it all underneath that so that her head was more in line with where it should be And behind Mika's head And I don't really think it made much of a difference visually I think the composition didn't really change at all And there wasn't any detail on her face That was lost as a result of it So that just worked out fine When I was doing the fade Because as you notice it's, Not only is it very bright and around the edges of the characters But as it goes down to the bottom it sort of fades I wasn't sure whether I should fade it completely to white Or fade it just mostly to white Because in the original it seems like it goes completely to white Just at the very bottom I decided not to do that here because, one, it just looked better a little bit to have, have that sort of stuff in what appears to be soft focus. Actually, it's not blurred at all if you look closely, but it does look like it's in soft focus. And so that looked that wound up looking better. And I also didn't want to cover up this whole thing with Tresca's leg and the blood and Mika's hand, which I talked about. Actually, you can't see her hand in this one, but you can see her arm in the way that it's all... Sort of laying there against it, so I decided I, I spent some time on that, and I spent time doing the blood and everything. I said, "God damn it, I'm going to leave that in there," so people see it, and so I, I didn't fade that out completely. I did fight a little bit with the blood tint on this page too, because with all of the way that the layers were organized, some of the blood was too saturated. You know, when I when I made the stuff look as red as it was supposed to, in some areas it wound up looking too bright red, in other areas, and it was just this really sort of ridiculous, cartoony. Red, And so I had to actually go in and mask it in Photoshop and take some of that down, which is something I usually don't do. I usually don't do pixel masks. I'll use vector masks to just get rid of stuff entirely, but it's kind of rare for me to go in and actually take out just part of a layer for something like that. But I did it, and so that's why. Otherwise, if I had done it, you would have seen the, the part where you see the wound in Mika's back here would have been just unbelievably bright sort of ridiculous red. Yeah, that would have looked terrible. Finally, page 409, What Goes Around, and I was sort of shocked, actually, that I hadn't used this title before, but obviously the the title itself is a reference to the last line here with, with Yumiko. I was kind of surprised that no one's actually mentioned this already on the forums, but this page was not intended to be a big fuck you to everyone who's reading, because I can kind of see how someone could think that that was the intent, but it's not, and this has actually been... The the plan for ending the story Or at least this part of the story For almost three years I actually went back And got into my notes and it was June 2004 That I actually came up with the, the Dialogue here on this page And it seemed kind of an interesting way To close the story Not only because it would go full circle With Mika's story But then it would tie it together With what happened with Yumiko Which was this large event that happened In Mika's life that Mika Never really was able to deal with or let go of her guilt over because she never really got closure on that. And even though Mika didn't abandon Yumiko on purpose, and so that's one of the parallels here, and I decided that that would be a good way to close, is to take all these, take those elements and, and tie them back together. The first panel on this page, I, I'm not thrilled with. I was having difficulty figuring out exactly what to put on that panel where, where it says, well, Tresca did let go to me. Obviously, I'm going to show Mika being let go of, but how to actually do that was up in the air, and I wasn't quite sure. And so you can see Mika just kind of falling to the side as Tresca starts to get up. You can see that she's on one knee. Her left knee is down and her right knee is up as she's beginning to stand, and that's why the front of her right lower leg is just completely covered with blood. And you can see where the blood has been trickling down to from her, her contact with, with Mika's arm and her stomach and everything on her on her right leg. And also to the hand, you can see, if you look at Tresca's hand, that, that's kind of a clue as to what's happening in this scene, because obviously there's things happening in the external environment that Mika's, at this point, too sort of far gone to actually recognize what's going on. And so if you look at Tresca's hand, you can get a bit of a clue that, that Tresca is not just shoving Mika away and running off. She's actually being somewhat gentle as she lays Mika down. And so that's a, a bit of a clue there. And I went back and forth and back and forth about the language on this page because there were a couple of things that really annoyed the hell out of me. The first is where it says the last thing I heard was her footsteps. I was having difficulty because it felt like I should have said the last thing I heard were her footsteps, but that didn't seem right because were has to agree with thing and one is plural and the other isn't. But footsteps is plural, so that, that seemed wrong. And so I went back and forth on that. And ultimately, I stayed with the original, which was the last thing I heard was our footsteps. And then at the, the last line, too, where it says, now I knew how Yumiko felt, I wasn't sure whether to say, now I know how Yumiko felt, now I knew. But ultimately, because everything else had been in the past tense, I decided to keep new in the past tense also. But again, that was another thing. It's like, well, now seems present tense, and new seems past tense. You'd think that they wouldn't agree. But again, as just as before with the other one, I decided to go with the original version, and and leave it the way that you see it in the comic here. And so ultimately, the ending of Falcon Twin is definitely a very down ending, but I never did promise anything happier, and I know that some people in the forums back in the day expressed disbelief that it did actually end this way, but as I said, there are plenty of stories that do actually end that way. And if it is any consolation to people out there at the... Full story actually does have a happy ending, and all of those plot threads that seem like they never went anywhere actually do get tied up and exposed for their importance, and everything gets all resolved and fun and happy, which probably does nothing whatsoever to make it better for you all, I understand that, but there it is one way or the other. Uh, Because believe it or not, I'm actually a big believer in happy endings in fiction, because my opinion is that there are just too many shit endings in real life to have more of them in fiction you know it's like i already have unhappy things in real life why do i need unhappy things in the stories i read so i will leave you with that thought that there is hope yet and everything is not as grim as it seems up next is the final thoughts podcast which i am planning to have up on friday some of the music provided tonight was from the pod show music network check it out at music.podshow.com so there